The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Welcome to From the Forefront Podcast by FX Missions. We believe that God calls us beyond where we are, equips us for the unforeseen, and gives us the victory, even if we don't ever see the victory ourselves. Hi, Scott McClelland here for FX Missions Podcasting. Thanks for being with us. Very happy to have you along today and also pretty excited to have Brad and Kim Campbell in studio or kind of, I guess it's virtual studio. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much. We are thrilled to be here with you. Thank you. Appreciate it much. Our virtual studio, we are both in Texas, so you can expect a lot from this podcast, folks. Even though (laughs) Brad and Kim are are right now in San Angelo, tell me about San Angelo, just real briefly. I don't even know what to say. (laughs) It's like a little portal of God activity. That's how we can best describe San Angelo. Wonderful. And it's warm. We can feel our feet and we're happy. Yes. Well, it can't compare to Minnesota this time of year. (laughs) I got to say that. That In no way, in no way can it be compared to Minnesota. And there's an upside for that. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. San Angelo's probably six, maybe four, four to six hours west of where I'm at in Dallas, Fort Worth area. Yeah. It's good that you guys are in Texas for as long as you can be. And please come back and Feel free to stay here the rest of your lives. (laughs) (laughs) We we may just do that. (laughs) Hey, hallelujah. Okay. Well, Brad and Kim, you're a part, I guess, founders, rather, really, of the organization that you represent and that we're on the call for. Gather One is the way I've got it noted here. Tell us about your organization a little bit. Let's make sure we can get folks pointed in the right direction as to the name in case I've got it wrong. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Gather One, uh, Brad and I are founders of that. We began our trek into missions in 2008. So we've been serving nations primarily that have been experiencing war, conflict, and abject poverty. And Mm. we now have established works in Ethiopia, South Sudan, Greece, and Romania. And what we've seen, Scott, is just Jesus bringing transformation supernaturally by us offering ourselves as his love, going into nations that have been on the extreme end of conflict. What we've seen is is just resurrected lives, and we've been offering practical solutions like providing safe environments for critical needs children, discipleship, education, and probably offering medical help as well. Wow, that's a lot. (laughs) 
It is a lot. <laughs> it's a it's a lot not so much a lot to say, but it is a lot to do, especially when you roll the dice with the conflict side of things. <laughs> I would guess well, I that might slow the progress a touch. Yeah, you you just have to be flexible. One of my key sayings is blessed are the flexible for they will not be broken. Mm. And we move by the spirit and it's not conventional. We don't really have a two-year, five-year, 10-year vision statement. We just roll with the Holy Spirit. And we found ourselves in some pretty supreme or difficult, challenging situations. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about that. But Mm. the main goal is Jesus being exalted. I think the other thing that I would add to that is really, yes, it's challenging, but it's very helpful to have the right team and to have the right people around you. And I feel like we have been greatly blessed in Ethiopia and South Sudan with an amazing staff and just the right people who just really love the Lord and are willing to serve. So, yeah, our focus is to really raise up the locals Mm. and not so much have an American presence, but to step into the background and encourage people on the ground, the locals that are there. And we have a staff in Ethiopia that is managing our work there, and we can't sing their praises enough. God's really working through them, and they've grown so much in the last 10 years. We've been in Africa for the last 10 years and just seen tremendous growth amongst our people. Very, very cool. You know, some of the locations you're talking about, thank God for a good team, right? That makes it all possible. It extends the reach and and the fruitfulness of any work that we're doing. So, but I'm just, I can't get my mind off how challenged the context is or has been. I'm not sure personally of the temperature of stability. I mean, maybe you don't use temperature and stability (laughs) together, but maybe the point comes through. It's fire, Scott. Yeah, yeah. The, what's the temperature of the fire? Is it orange, red, blue, or white hot? You know, I mean, <laughs> white hot most of the time. White hot, white hot. Hey, <laughs> hallelujah! You know, we're asking for the fire, and here, here it comes. Here right? it is. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about your founding and some of your initial steps. I'm not sure if you knew early, you know, immediately that you're hey. Guess what, guys? We're going into war-torn environments and places that are difficult, distant, or dangerous. Did you know that? I have to be honest. We had no clue. That's the short answer. (laughs) (laughs) The, The much longer answer is that we maybe were being prepared for areas of conflict because we were youth pastors in, in Nebraska. So. All you youth pastors out there, get ready. Don't laugh, you're next, youth pastor. That, that's exactly right. Mm. That's right, Scott. We were youth pastors at a small church in Omaha, Nebraska, and we had a dear friend of ours who came to visit us from Charlotte, North Carolina. Her mm. name is Freddie Power, and she had a an organization called Keeping Hope Alive, still has that organization. And she wanted to meet with us and meet with the youth and some of the poor in our area. And so while she was there during that trip, we had a great time with her. 
She was amazing. She established a work that was there in Omaha, which is still running to this day. That was in 2008 when she came, and that work mm. is still running wow. um, with local people yeah. in Omaha. But she invited us. She said, as she was wrapping up the weekend, she was getting ready to leave, and and she was praying for people in Africa. And, and she said, hey, you know what? In, I'm getting ready to do a, a short-term trip to Africa. Would you all want to come? And Kim and I just said no. <laughs> in fact we don't want to we, yeah, that was exactly right scott we just we didn't we didn't have to think about it we didn't have to pray about it we didn't uh-huh. have to any of that stuff we just said no <laughs> nope no thank you and she said well are you sure would you at least pray about it and so we prayed and long story short the lord made it very clear that we were to go mm. So we went on that trip and while we were there this was in 2008 we felt really the Holy Spirit fell on us while we were sitting at the airport in Kenya. And Mm. in Kenya, we hadn't done any ministry yet. We were still at the van waiting to leave the airport. We hadn't done anything. And we just felt the presence of the Lord so powerfully. Kim and I sat and we were discussing in the moment. We're like, what is this? Do you feel that? And we just, it just, I don't know how to describe it other than that it felt like life and destiny and purpose and on target and the Lord's presence. And it was so powerful that from that point on, when we came home from Africa, so keep in mind at the beginning, we said, no, we don't want to go. And when, by the time we got home from that first trip in 2008, we spent years, the next several years praying, God send us to Africa. And so I was working a full-time job. I was doing manual labor, working for a cabinet shop. And day in and day out, Kim would stay at home and she would pray and pray and pray and cry out to the Lord that he would that he would make his plan known to us and that we would understand how to get to Africa full time. Wow. That's quite a I mean, I, I've almost got whiplash over here, guys. <laughs> uh, the, it's like you go from getting this thought of thanks for the invite. We don't want to go. And then fast forward, we're at the airport under the heavy presence of the Lord. And then boom, you're praying, send us. That's a lot. That's our life. We give a lot of people whiplash. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, our heart's desire is to be obedient to God. And one of our signs was we received a check in the mail from a church we'd never been to. And it had, Kim and Brad, Africa in the memo line. And we're like, oh, crud, now we got to go to Africa. Because it was, I mean, it was that (laughs) real. (laughs) If you were looking for confirmations. Right? (laughs) They they were inescapable. That one was hard to miss. Mm. That was, that was real hard to miss. So we went. Uh, Obedience is so important to us. And we don't like to delay. We just like to respond and So we took off and we put all our eggs in that basket. And the church that we were serving at happened to close its doors, which opened up the opportunity for us to go into full-time missions. And we ran into some refugees. They had come from Ethiopia, from a refugee camp in Ethiopia, but they were South Sudanese. And Mm. they began to talk to us about South Sudan And as we began to research, we saw that half of the population of South Sudan, which was at the time the world's newest nation, half of their population was under the age of 14. 
And we knew that we could go in and shift a nation into the hands of God with those Mm. kinds of statistics. So we just packed up and Brad took a discovery trip to South Sudan. And when he landed on the runway of Malakal, South Sudan, he was in a plane with another guy and they landed on the runway. They were actually sacrificing a bull on the runway. (laughs) And that was his welcome into the land. My word. (laughs) It it was pretty crazy. He knew he wasn't in Kansas anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Or Nebraska, for that matter. Just to kind of, you know, reiterate here a touch, there's this something going on in Africa. You meet this refugee. By that means you get visibility to South Sudan. And so there's a discovery trip. What's going on with this sacrificing of the bull here? (laughs) Is it a witchcraft thing or what's going on? To be honest, I'm not sure what that was all about. (laughs) What happened was it's not like in the U.S. where you, you know, they open up the door and then you're on the little jetway and then, Mm -hmm. you know, you walk through this little thing and then you're in the airplane terminal they let you off you walk downstairs immediately and you're walking across the tarmac to get into right. the building mm-hmm. and while i'm doing that i was noticing there were military dignitaries lined up there were men of rank that were lined up on the tarmac and they were saluting so i think there was somebody someone of governmental importance that was on the flight with me that i didn't know and i'm looking straight ahead towards the military personnel lined up and then I just looked to my left because there were some commotions. There was some movement that caught my eye. And I looked down to the left and I saw some men with a bull legs tied up. And I won't describe in detail what I saw. <laughs> the imagination uh, is running away over here. Yeah, Brad, I it, say. It was, it's a little shock. It was pretty grisly, I have to say. And so <laughs> it was quite a shock. So that was a discovery trip that I had done to Malakal, South Sudan. And what we were doing, what we were trying to discover was whether or not this would be a good fit for my family. So it was going to be Kim and I (laughs) and our two teenage daughters. Uh And I was going to South Sudan with one other guy from the team. And we were trying to discover, first of all, you know, can we survive South Sudan? Is there a way for us to get food and supplies and materials to take care of kids? Are there building materials? What does this look like in a very practical sense? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was on the one hand. And on the other hand, is this going to be possible? Because we'd already decided that Kim and I and our two teenage daughters were going to move to somewhere in Africa to take on this project of taking care of kids. And right. so that was my goal was to determine, can we live here? And I got to tell you, Scott, it was like another planet. I mean, mm. no amount of photographs and no amount of descriptive detail can prepare you for what I saw there, and as I went home and tried to describe to my wife and my children what we were looking at, it was truly an impossible task. It just mm. there was just no way to describe what I had wow. been through. It it was the world's newest nation, and so there was no infrastructure. And the funny thing is, we fell in love with that place, and and to all of us, even our children, that's home. Mm. We're longing to return to our homeland. We haven't been there in eight years. Uh, we've been across the border a few times on some special ops missions, but we <laughs> long to be there, you know? Uh, 
yeah. what we discovered, I know Kim had talked about the statistic about the kids and half the population was under the age of 14. We've talked a little bit about Texas. South Sudan is approximately the size of Texas. And they had at that time approximately 70 miles of paved road in an area the size of Texas. My word, 70 so miles. 70 miles of paved road in an area the size of Texas. They had about one doctor for every half million people. It was the world's newest nation. There's no governmental structure that's that's really been established. I mean, it was in place, but not really firmly established. Mm-hmm. And the infrastructure was almost non-existent. So it was quite an eye-opener to try to figure out how are we going to survive as a family in this place. And, uh, and to be honest, it almost killed us, each and every one of us. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so. Well, I'm just imagining you coming back from your scouting trip. You've been in the bush, you know, hard country, as they call it in Texas. I can just picture you getting back to Omaha and and gathering up, you know, Kim and the kids and saying, okay, picture San Diego. It's a lot like that. <laughs> that's a, that's why they all agreed to go, Scott. That's how they said yes. That was what they call salesmanship, Brad. Your salesmanship kicked in. Yeah, San Diego, let's go. No, sorry, I'm being silly, as you can clearly note. But yeah, you were a great salesman. We're just going to say that, Brad. You ended up, you got over there and at once life was hanging in the balance. Yeah. You guys got a thick ream of stories for there. And it's going to probably take more than one podcast to unpack (laughs) everything we want to talk about. But I do want to get certainly the highlights. Talk to me a little bit about the situation with the children in South Sudan as you found it. They were beginning to repatriate the refugees back into South Sudan. So we wanted to get there and get established. And we wanted to focus mostly on critical needs children. There were a lot of orphans in our area, a lot of street children. Mm. And we went there wanting to bring the hope of the gospel to our community. And our first six months there, both our daughters got sick with malaria Brad got cerebral malaria, and we had to evacuate him out. And um, my daughter and and I stayed so that we could host some teams. It was at that point of consecration in the fire, if you will. I, I never intended to be in South Sudan alone without my husband, and God just showed up and it was almost mm. as if Brad paid some identificational <laughs> intercession. And we began to see people miraculously delivered from malaria, from all kinds of sicknesses. We had street children coming in and receiving the gospel and giving their hearts to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And things were growing. And then when Brad evacuated out and we went home a short time later and we came back, everybody in the U.S. was saying, why are you going back there? It almost killed you. Mm. And then when we arrived, the nationals said, oh, you're just like us. And they welcomed Mm. us into their community. And we planted a church in our front yard that was actually hosting the tribes of our city. Mm. We had Newer, we had Dinka, we had Chaluk. We had some people from the UN, and we were all gathering to worship the Lord when the war came upon us. And <laughs> and that's a whole nother story. <laughs> and, yeah, right. The, you know, talk about a momentum changer. 
you know, you guys were gaining some significant <laughs> we momentum, you know, after this initial resistance, which was not insignificant, the health uh, and, you know, the dangers, the malaria, all those kind of things. And then, you know, you, you get some traction and then war. Yes, we had tremendous traction going partly because people had so accepted us in the community. And that was because we had suffered with them. We had suffered like them and we came back and we didn't have to as they saw it anyways. So we were finding ourselves with tremendous governmental favor. The government knew that we were taking care of kids. They were trying to get us to take care of more kids and to help them with programs for children that they didn't have funding for, they didn't have staff for. They were trying to get us much more involved in the community and they were willing to bend over backwards and do what they could to help us to move forward because we were agreeing to help them. We had a tremendous amount of traction. We had a lot of things happening. As Kim said, we had a, a church in the front yard that was very active and Mm -hmm. And it was a momentum changer for sure. In December of 2013, we had been in the U.S. for a couple of months. And December 5th, 2013, we arrived back in South Sudan. We arrived in country and we were in Malakal. And on December 15th, that same year, mm -hmm. just so just 10 days later, uh, a civil war erupted in South Sudan between the tribes. And so as Kim is talking about having the different tribes gathering for church in our front yard, it's really a lot more difficult and complicated than you might think to have people of different ethnic groups meeting together in Africa for a common purpose. And so as we were praising the Lord in our front yard, it was amazing and it was powerful. And then there was this tribal war that erupted in the capital city of Juba, South Sudan, yeah. And by Christmas, the military forces had turned on each other in our city. So it wasn't like a vast movement of troops to move from the capital to us. It was the people that were already there turned on each other and a civil mm. war erupted. And it happened almost immediately in our town and without warning. So my word, folks, we're going to pass the offering plate at the end of this. And we're going to ask you to ante up your lives, not your <laughs> money. So. <laughs> Just keep that in mind. It's just a little, you know, coming attractions, <laughs> you know, I mean, wow. And, you know, and that is the true call to missions, isn't it, Scott? I mean, it's like, any up, we need uh, you. You yeah. know, Jesus said, give it all, give it away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to quote Jeff Henderson. He had quoted and said, every nation is open to the gospel for those who are willing to go and not come back. Mm. Yes. I mean, there was a Count Zinzendorf, I think, quote that was very similar. And throughout the ages, the ages where missions has been active, I think it's an ongoing reality that people come to understand is that we we're giving ourselves, which is not a small matter, but it really is not a foreign concept to the gospel because Jesus said, if you save it, you're going to lose it. In other words, if you try to keep your life for your own self-will and pleasure, you're destroying the possibility of that being the fact. Okay, we're in war now, and people are volleying over the front yard with weapons and RPGs and, you know, automatic yeah. gunfire and tanks and personnel and battle lines. And am I getting it right? You're right. The rebel forces 
were on one side and the government forces were on the other side. They were trying to protect the airport. There was a group of us. We had three visiting missionaries and our two daughters and Brad and I, and then the orphan children that we were taking care of. And we found ourselves under the bed, surrounded mm. by soldiers mm. for hours on end. And there was a UN base that was approximately five to six miles away from us. At one point in the heat of the day, the fighting stopped and we knew that we needed to get to safety. We had one of our local staff with us and he said, if we don't get out of here, we're not going to make it. Mm. So we threw, you know, whatever protein bars and peanuts and water bottles in our backpacks. And it was about 114 degrees and we took off walking. We, we circled up, said a prayer and headed out our front gate. It was so eerie. It had just went silent. Mm. And, you know, these guys have been at war for like 50 years. So our staff mm. member, this is nothing new to him. He's right. like, now's the time. So we right now, we, this is our window. Where were you headed? Well, there was a vacant field directly across from the house and we were headed to the U.M. base mm. because they had provided security in some of the other cities. So we headed yeah. out and got out our front gate about 50 yards, and they started firing RPGs over our head. We could hear them whistling past us as they went. Mm. And we kind of scattered and had to run around and gather up kids mm. and had to run back to our house and hide for a while longer. And then it quit again. And that's when we said, okay, we've got to do this again. We mm. know what's out there. Mm. And we're going to take a different route. We just cried out to the Lord. We said, make us invisible and get us to the UN base. And we mm. headed out in a different direction. And it was kind of into the bush, not knowing what was out there, but it was the only way we could get there. And at one point, we saw the soldiers lining up on either side of us. And it was literally as if we were invisible. And 19 of us made it to the UN. My word. Then we began to be displaced like everyone else. And it was an incredibly insecure time. The UN bases were under threat of attack constantly. And a town of 150,000 South Sudanese disappeared overnight. And so mm. uh, 40,000 were at the UN base that was designed to hold about 500 people. And it was mass chaos. This is where you guys went. Did they give you shelter? They accepted you? What, what happened when you got there? They accepted us. We had children. Brad had made contact with them a few weeks before when the war broke out in Juba. And so when we walked in, they gave us a place to stay with the children. But because of the insecurity, we wanted to get the kids out of a war zone. Right. That's a whole another story that I don't know that we want to go public with other than to suffice it to say the Lord provided a way for our children to move 150 miles across a war zone into a safe place. And that's how gotcha. we ended up where we're at now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Ma it makes sense. God. We don't have to unpack details that are that need to remain secure. I can imagine, like you're saying, there's so many people that are converging on this UN base. Shelter, refuge is really what I'm wondering. Right. They're giving you refuge, but they're also giving refuge to 
80 times their capacity or something like basically everybody has converged on this place and i can imagine that's a zoo of its own it really was a zoo of its own they were encouraging everyone to leave as soon as possible i mean the un was was sending their non-essential staff home Mm. or to other locations they were encouraging us to leave somebody gave me a security report and said we're having supply chain difficulties they said if we don't get fuel they were running low on fuel and they they were saying that if they didn't get more fuel that means there's going to be no generators running if there's no generators there's no lights at night that's a very mm-hmm. dangerous situation with all those people yeah if they can't run generators there's no water purification system so there's mm. then there's 40,000 people and all of us you know without clean drinking water yeah there was no food already they they already they never had food for anyone Mm-hmm. In the early days, anyway, it took several weeks before food started showing up. So it was really quite challenging. They were talking about no water and no fuel. That was a very dangerous situation. So, And the Lord miraculously provided food for us every single day. Like it, it was, we were being fed from the hand of God. Mm-hmm. And at one point, you know, all the tribes came in there. So there was a huge security risk. And the UN actually came to us. This is how strongly God was moving. They came to us and said, look, you're Christians. We know what you do. Can you offer us some assistance? Can you hold a prayer meeting or whatever you religious people do (laughs) and help bring some peace into this place? Mm -hmm. So we were able to gather under the encouragement of the UN and lift up the name of Jesus amongst the tribes, even in the UN base. My word. It sounds like whatever whatever <laughs> opportunity for order could be imposed, whatever it took, let's get some order in here. The presence of the Lord, obviously, is the right medicine yeah. on that, for sure. My That word. is the truth. Mm. Yeah, I can remember praying, laying hands on people and praying. And as I was praying, they were putting my their hands in my pockets <laughs> to see if yeah. they could get some kind of money. My heart was just broken Mm. for, you know, people were broken and traumatized beyond anything that we've ever seen. And and yet God was there offering his love. And, you know, I wasn't even offended that they were putting their hands in my pockets. I just just knew that they were doing what they needed to do to survive. So sure, sure. But there's such a victory at the end of this, Scott. It's just such a victory of redemption. Like we lost everything and regained everything and then some. And we've got a million and one stories that we can tell you about those three months. Like it could be a novel in all the miracles of God, keeping us safe and keeping our children safe and carrying on the work that he called us to. My word. Yes. I think just from an overview point of view here, we want to just talk about how did that time, that particular season, how did that kind of come to a close? And then give us an executive summary, if you will, from you're in the UN base, you're praying for people, the Lord's presence is there helping to establish order, it's chaos, it's war, it's open conflict, and life is under threat. Give us the fast forward from there. In what year is it right now? This is the end of 2013, it's Christmas time, 2013, okay. yeah. into the, the early days of 2014. 
Yeah. Catch us up toward where we are now. I don't know if we'll get to where we are now, but catch us up in that direction some. We needed to evacuate so that we could get money to our staff and our kids. So we did that. We were able to send money from another country into South Sudan. And that's a very long story as well. But with money in hand, our staff guy was able to contract a car and get the kids essentially over the border and into Ethiopia. Mm. That's an incredibly shortened version of that story. So the kids came into Ethiopia. We met them in Ethiopia in 2014. That would have been March of 2014. We were able to meet them there. We rented a house. We got set up. Again, we got money in our staff's hands and we came back to the U.S. and and just unplugged for a while and just cried a lot. Yeah. But when you say the kids, you're not talking about your kids. You're, I'm, I'm not talking, well, forgive the imprecise expressions. You're talking about the children you were taking care of in the home yes. and ministry that you guys were having. And you basically were able to get them expatriated across the border, which in itself is probably not a small thing. It really was, as Kim said, it really was the hand of God. It was miraculous that they were able to get across the border. And it was the Lord's hand in it. We had been trying and failed. And the mm. Lord did it his way in the way that only he can do. And so yeah. they made it safely across the border into Ethiopia. And then we just started rebuilding. We had nine South Sudanese children that made it across the border with our staff. Mm. And we started slowly building things up. We hired you know, a couple more staff people mm -hmm. to help the guys that we had. And we now have a staff of 10. Mm. Uh, we're taking care of 30 children. As I said, in March of 2014, we had nine come across the border. Yeah. We've got 30 children that we're helping actively. We're putting another 10 through school. So we've, we're helping 40 children yeah. um, with education. So where we're going at right now is that we have several projects in mind for that location. Mm -hmm. But I think what we learned in the midst of that war, Scott, was just the sovereignty of God, like really pressing in to him for bigger picture things and right. and his love over the nations. And so that just stirred our heart to really help refugee populations. Mm -hmm. And from Ethiopia, we've gained access back into South Sudan. We've got some projects at the border that we're working on education, it unlocks the future for kids. And so we're working on educational projects in the villages. Mm. We've expanded to Greece and we're helping Mideastern refugees. And right. yes. we got a lot of projects in the works. So that's what came out of that war is just a tenacity to endure and to see God in, in every situation and to press forward. I mean, it's not my place to do this, but here I go. I want to thank you guys for your uh, resilience and, and obviously resilience. <laughs> we, you know, it's, it, it comes and goes, obviously, ultimately it's a decision we make, right? In peril or we're challenged or the progress we made is lost or, or all of those kinds of things. Ultimately we decide, you know what, we're going to keep going in this direction. You know what, we're going to double down. You know what, we're going to go all in even again. <laughs> so I want to thank you guys for, being resilient in the face of some pretty sturdy resistance. I got to say that was, that wasn't like, Hey, I've got a migraine. I don't know if I can go on. <laughs> it's not your norm. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and of course, I joked with you guys about this when we met a couple of weeks ago about the book. Anyway, <laughs> I just want to—I I would be remiss if I didn't throw that in there. But uh, remember, you don't have to write thirty thousand words in one sitting. You—you you don't have to do that. A thousand words a day. That's all. That's all. Yeah. Anyway, so I think the quality of your example doesn't need to be lost. The quality of God's faithfulness and the Amen. story that you had to tell doesn't need to be lost on future generations, unless they, of course, they'll find their way to this podcast and, and they'll get zipped up. But having that in writing would be something of a treasure. So I'll leave you alone about it. But <laughs> thank God for his faithfulness demonstrated in your situation. And what a story you have to tell. Now, obviously, your story is not complete. You're working, you're planning, you're preparing, you're working in multiple contexts now. And there's somebody listening that's thinking, you know what? I've been wanting to do something in missions. I think I'll go to Maui and check it out. No, no. Uh, I mean, <laughs> th th I believe that there are people that this message is going to get to who should be involved in what you're doing. So uh, we are going to make it really clear how they can get in touch with you and your more information about what you guys are up to. But I'm just thinking that we need to consider these things for ourselves, right? What's the Lord saying to us? And, you know, the person who challenges himself, as my one friend said, is the one who ends up with a story. <laughs> and uh, that's so that, a great word the, right there. The that's story it. is equal to the challenge. You know, sometimes we were saying, oh, I got a hangnail. It was so hard. You know, that wasn't much of a challenge. We don't have much of a story. But I think we're what we're offering here, guys and ladies, is a story. <laughs> Come get your story. Yes. Come on out. Get a story. Amen. We, we're really looking for laborers to join alongside of us. Brad and I are. You know, we're mom and dad, and we're looking, our, our mission statement is finding lost sons and daughters and bringing them home because family is such a core value to the kingdom, and it's such a mm. core value to us. Yes. And so we're looking for people that want to gather along beside of us and go into these places of high risk. You know, yeah. I, for some reason, we thought safety needs to be primary and love is far greater than safety, is far greater than discomfort. And what we have to offer is the love of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ, the greatest treasure in all of the earth. Why wouldn't we go? That's the question is, why wouldn't we go? Mm. Yes. I think also just in a, in a very practical sense, I just want to draw attention to kind of the early part of our story, which was so much focused on prayer. Kim spent day after day after day in prayer, I would encourage anyone that has felt the call to missions or who's had a desire to honor the Lord in missions, but not knowing how to get started and, you know, how do you find the right organization and how do you begin and all of that stuff that can be very overwhelming on the front end. Yeah. But I would encourage you, I would encourage anyone to pray, spend your time in prayer, seek the heart of the Lord and be faithful with what he's showing you, even if it doesn't seem to make sense. What we've found is that if we're asking the Lord a specific question about what we need to do, and he's not speaking about that, but he's speaking about something else, listen to what he is saying and be faithful mm. with that thing, because he will get you where he wants you to go. 
Mm. And so it's just, it's really step-by-step putting one foot in front of the other. We didn't just wake up one morning and get on a plane and go to South Sudan with our daughters. It was a lot of time in prayer. It was a lot of preparation. It was a lot of just trying to understand, as Ephesians 5 says, try to understand what the will of the Lord is. Yeah, That's just a step-by-step, day in and day out, pursuing Him. Wow. Very well said. Thank you for that, Brad. Very good summary. I think, you know, what we can do, even though we have an inkling, we have, you know, a feeling, we have a sense, we don't have a complete sense. It's not necessary to understand everything completely. But that, you know, that next step is the illumination that we, we have to have, and the Lord will make that clear to us. That's right. Absolutely. Well, we are coming to the wrap here. I want to give you guys a chance to mention anything else that we haven't said in brief. And then, of course, give us a place we could find out more. Or if someone wanted to reach out to you guys, how could they make contact? I think the best way to do that is to go to our website, which is gatherthenumber1.org. So So gatherone.org. Gatherone.org. And they can get in touch with us there. That's the best way to track us down because we're on the move of a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, here and there and, and countries and the great nation of, Te- I mean, the great state of Texas. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, well, I really, really appreciate you guys. We'll backlink to the website here in the podcast and we'll include some notes too. Really appreciate you guys and your courage. Let's do get on the podcast again sometime soon to kind of recap and tell perhaps another set of stories that you have that you'd like to share that would be meaningful to folks. And obviously, it's one thing to hear and be motivated. And sometimes we feel like once the entertainment value of what we heard has faded, that that was it. But really, that's not it. You know, I think the inspiration and the motivation that we feel right now is in the interest of action. And really, that's the goal of the inspiration in the first place, or at least that's the way I'm reading it, guys. Thank you so much, so, so much for being here with me. Any final comments as we conclude? Probably it's not a a comment, but a question. And I'd just like to say, is Jesus worth it? That's how we respond. (laughs) Is Is he worth it? Is he worth it? Yeah. We just want to go as far as we can go with what he's given us. Yes. I know everyone that's listening to this podcast has a stirring in the spirit to do more for his kingdom. Mm. And so we just want to encourage people to act on that, to be people of simple obedience. It's not complicated. You just love the person in front of you. and get ready to go. Just be people of action. It really is a matter of putting some feet to it. It's not a matter of getting a revelation or an understanding or something. It's even as you were saying, Scott, it's, you know, you may have this inkling or this, or this feeling or the sense of something. Let's see what that looks like. Let's put some feet to it. Let's see Mm -hmm. where God is leading us. Let's see how do we get from here to there? And what does that look like in the heart of the father? And, and who are we to reach? And you know, what are the practical steps and what are the spiritual steps that we need to take in order to prepare ourselves to do the work of the kingdom and to advance the gospel? That's the, That's the, the question. Yes, 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 yes. That is the heart of our message. And thanks for your sharing your story here, which I really appreciate you doing. We're going to share this and we'll get it out. I'm going to try to put this thing to the front of the queue because I think timing's important here. 
and uh, I don't want you to get in the six month backlog. So <laughs> I'll do everything I can to move that forward. Thank you so much for being here. And again, let's get on in the next several months. Let's get a look for another opportunity. Maybe we can fill in some of those blanks from the UN base to today. And maybe we can unpack a little bit of the work that you're doing in Romania and Greece and some of these other places. That would be great. We would love that. Scott, thank you so much for having us on the podcast. It was great meeting you couple of weeks ago. And it's just, it's thank great you. to be here on the podcast with you. Oh, thank thank you. you. God bless you and the work that you're doing. I appreciate it very much. Appreciate it very much. We'll backlink we your contact stuff you. there. Yeah. And we, let's see each other again. If you guys are, you know, if you're hanging around the great, na- I mean, the great state much longer, <laughs> you just let me I'd know. I'd rather see you in South Sudan, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> hey. But we take we would take Texas. That would be a, that would be a good yeah. second. Hey, I'm don't think I'm not before the Lord on it because I am in fact and before the team. So maybe we could do something from on location. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> that would be exciting. It would indeed. Well, thanks again for being here, guys. I really right, appreciate it very much. Blessings to you, and let's do be in touch. Okay, we will. All right, very good. As for me, I'm Scott McClellan as a representative of FX Missions Podcasting. I want to thank you for being here. Please do share this content with someone that comes to mind who's maybe been talking to you about missions and they're looking for a next step. We really appreciate your sharing that. And if you need to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com. Thanks for being with us. If God spoke to you today, we'd love to hear about it. Click through to the episode notes on your podcast app Choose the link for your favorite social media platform and share it with us there. And if you've not done this already, follow the show in your favorite podcast app at fromtheforefront.com slash follow. Click the link in the episode notes, choose your favorite podcast app, and follow us there to get every episode for free.